Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Russ Cordell. For more information about Abundant Life Church, please visit www.abundantlifechurch.org. All right, I'm going to get into the words. You can stay seated this morning. I'm going to have a little fun today, and then we'll get into some scriptures. But I want to talk today. I'd like everybody just to take a second. Stay seated. Don't get up. Look to somebody on your left or your right or both. Look at them and say, what is your superpower? Somebody said, I got out of bed this morning. I endured the pastor's prayer time. It's my superpower. I love this. I go around and I see, I see these bumper stickers and these t-shirts and things like that. It says, I drink coffee and teach third grade. What's your superpower? You ever see those, those little bumper stickers and things like that? I make stuff out of wood. What's your superpower? And I think it's clever and it's fun. I actually bought a t-shirt for somebody that, that had something like that on it. Just because I thought it was hilarious. But I have noted that because of all of this, this stuff in society today, we seem to be, the society seems to be very, very fascinated with superpowers. And some of it has to do with the fact that people feel so vulnerable and they feel so small and so weak in a great big world that just keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger and challenges keep getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And why do you think that the Marvel series movies are making billions of dollars a year? Is because it's immersing people into the concept or the fantasy of I can be a superhero, I can be great, I can rise above that. And people vicariously sometimes live in that type of an environment. And they've made, what, 127 of those films now? I, there's, a, there's a superhero who's an ant, and, and there's, there's superheroes of, of light bulbs, and super, I mean, they just they keep manufacturing these superheroes so that somewhere in there, no matter what you do, if, if uh, my son Sam, he's an auto mechanic, I'm sure they're brewing on an auto mechanic superhero, like he can fly in and repair your car in record time. Uh, but we are immersed in this sort of superhero, superpower mentality in our society, and people are fascinated by it, and they're spending millions of dollars. Those of you with children, I'd be willing to guarantee there's probably not one child in this room that doesn't have a Spider-Man or a Superman or a Batman or a something like that of some kind in their home right now. And that's okay, by the way. That's all right. I grew up reading comic books before they became bizarre and evil and horrible when Batman beat up the bad guy and gave the purse back to the lady. And, and uh, you know, those were wonderful times. And I drew those comics and enjoyed doing that. And we all fantasize as children to some level of having a Superman power. Or I had a Batman cape when I was a kid and, and actually batarangged off of our front porch and hurt myself terribly. And it was, not, it was not good. But I found out I can't fly, nor can I batarang. But uh, we become consumed with this idea of, of all these wonderful powers. Some of them can fly and some of them are invisible or super strong or uh, they have uh, telekinetic abilities, which means they can move things with their minds and, and uh, all kinds of stuff. And then, of course, now that Hollywood's got a hold of all this stuff, and unfortunately they bought things like Marvel Comics and they bought up all this stuff. Now it's all getting weird and scary and, and sort of horrifying and, and, and awful. But the superpower thing, it still exists. And, and so recently, my, I, we have Disney Plus at home because uh, uh, there's just some nice films on there and some things once in a great while. And, 
and every 30 days or so I get 45 minutes I can <laughs> actually spend on maybe a little downtime. And, and so my son and I were watching a movie about a character named Shazam. Now some of you are old enough in this audience to remember back in the 70s there was a a, a television show on Saturday mornings called Shazam. And the, sto- the, the, the gist of the story is that this young boy is gifted this, uh, this uh, superpower suit and this ability to scream out the name Shazam. And he, instead of being a little boy, all of a sudden he pops up and he's this super buff, muscular guy and a big lightning bolt on his, on his uh, chest and he had superpowers. And so they, they did this movie recently, I guess. I didn't even know. And... Uh, and so it's the same kind of theme. It's got some weird stuff I don't remember in it, but uh, nothing terrible. But it's a, it's a young boy who's beat up at school and he's the odd kid out and all that kind of stuff. And he's got a buddy that loves comic books and superheroes. And lo and behold, he's bestowed this great gift to be able to yell out this name. And the lightning comes down from heaven and zaps him and he becomes this giant buff superhero guy. Now the fun part of the movie, it's very comical and it's sweet and then there's... It's really nothing too terrible. Um, the fun part is, is he's a kid. Even though he's in a man's body, he's a 14-year-old boy. So you can imagine where that leads. Now, he has no idea what his superpowers are. So it made me think of that bumper sticker thing that I see once in a while. You know, I can do this. What's your bump? You know, what, I teach third grade. What's your superpower? You know, I get out of bed in the morning. What's your superpower? And, uh, and so part of the film is, and I won't ruin all the stuff for you, but it's him seeking, trying to understand what his superpower. So his buddy's doing stuff to him, like throwing stuff at him and, and, and lighting him on fire and all this, and they're, they're slowly discovering, is he bulletproof and, and is, he, uh, uh, does, is he super strong and fast and all that stuff. So anyway, it's just, it's just an amusing uh, film to talk about and watch this child try to figure out what his superpowers are. And so this morning, I want to talk to you, and of course, I have to apply this to Scripture and the Word of God, because all superpowers come from God Almighty, right? Now, the scary part, though, is you have to remember that the villains have superpowers, too. And that means that superpowers for the good guys can apply to the bad guys. And so, unfortunately, all of those super characters don't fight robbers that are stealing ladies' purses. They're fighting villains that also have these same magical crazy abilities right and so I wanted to apply this to word I just got a little inspired about it and I wanted to talk to you this morning about the best superpower and in this movie these two boys have a debate with each other and some of their friends what's the best superpower and many people say to fly right they pick on the superman stuff well I want to be invincible I want to be super strong I want to be fast I want to be like the flash or, or whatever the case is, and they were debating what the best superpower was. And as I was listening to that, I thought, I know what the best superpower is. And it's not flight. American Airlines takes care of that. Our powers, as you know, entirely come from the Holy Ghost. True powers the powers that God gave us. Acts chapter one and eight, many of you are very very familiar with. It says that in Acts chapter one and eight, when Jesus is talking about the disciples going into Jerusalem, he said, go and tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until ye be endued with power from on high. Now he was specifically talking about 
himself returning in the form of the Holy Ghost. He said it many times, I'll be the comforter, I'm coming to you again, I'm coming to you in the form of the, of the comforter, etc. And, and he was referring to that as power. Now in your Strong's Concordance, translating the Greek terms and all of that stuff, it has Strong's reference, just, you like it when I do that, right? You all go home and get your Strong's Concordance out. G1411, the word is dunamis. It looks like dynamis, it's where we get the word dynamite from but it's actually pronounced dunamis, power. And that word is repeated again and again and again throughout scripture when it's describing the Holy Ghost. It was God's intention that when he came back in the form of the Holy Ghost and it was our direction to receive his spirit within inside us, it was his intention to give you superpowers. You have them. If you're full of the Holy Ghost, you have superpowers that God has endued on you because he promised it in Acts chapter one in that first place. Dunamis. Literally, when, it, when you go into the concordance and you look up the, the instruction, or the um, translation, the first word they show you is force, literally or figuratively, especially, excuse me, especially miraculous power. When I saw the word force, I was like, all right. See, I've said all along, the force is supernatural. People that know me know what I'm talking about. Okay, the force is with me. Okay, um, now, most of us are familiar with the superpowers that come along with the Holy Ghost. We just don't see them that way. We don't see them that this is, is really a superpower, something super. We see it as a product of, of, of having Jesus with a, within us and living a godly life with godly character. So for example, in Galatians 5 and 22, we all know so well, gives us that first set of superpowers that were given. The fruit of the Spirit, that dunamis power, the fruit of the Spirit is the beginning of the powers that we have. Powers to do what? To save people from being robbed of their purse or, or to kill villains or knock down walls or, or run faster than trains. No, superpowers to do the work that God has given us to do in a terribly opposing world. A world that does not want us to do those works. A world that does not want us to get up off of our chairs and go and reach out into the world, find people that desperately need God and share the fruit of the Spirit, the character of God, the power of the Holy Ghost with them. We're opposed in that area all the time. And I would contend this, that without the Holy Ghost, our efforts in that area would be mostly fruitless. We need the power of the Holy Ghost. The fruit of the Spirit is the beginning. So when it talks about those powerful tools he gives us, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, against such, there is no law. That means there is no power against those superpowers that you have as a Christian. And they're just foundational. Love is the single most powerful force in the universe. God is love. And it should be on my list as the best superpower, but it's not, and I'll tell you why in a minute. When we employ or we express or we exhibit the fruit of the Spirit exclusively in our lives, we push out things that the supervillains are doing that are the opposite of that. 
See, if we're a superhero and we're expressing love, there's a villain somewhere, a supervillain, who's expressing hate. Turn on CNN. If we're expressing joy in our life, the Bible says that the joy of the Lord is our strength. Guess what? Superpower. Keep joy in your life. If you're finding yourself embittered and angry and challenged and depressed and down all the time, something or someone is allowing that to be stolen from themselves or something is taking it away from you. Do not let the enemy steal your superpower. It's a superpower that gives you strength. And that goes along with peace, being at peace, not striving, not being torn up all the time, not back and forth and worry and all those types of things. Long suffering is just being patient and allowing God to do what he's gonna do in his life. And I could go on, you've heard many messages about, and this message is not about the fruit of the spirit, but it's part of our superpower abilities. But there's a whole nother set of superpowers that come potentially with the Holy Ghost, and that's the gifts of the Spirit. Now, the gifts of the Spirit sometimes are maligned or they're misunderstood. The gift of tongues, for example, is constantly intermixed with the initial receiving of the baptism of the Holy Ghost. People will say it all the time. Well, the gift of tongues is just for certain people and it's not for everybody. That is not the same thing. And I can show you and I can break it down in Scripture. They're talking about two distinctly different episodes or effects of receiving the Holy Ghost. The gift of the Spirit or the gifts are found in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses eight through 10. It says, for to one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom. That's a special power, that's a superpower. If God uses you, speaks to you, and gives to you a word of wisdom to share with people, it's an edifying power. It's a power that God will use for you to help somebody else. It's a giving power. And then it says to another, the word of knowledge. That's understanding. That's knowing things that maybe you shouldn't know or knowing things you didn't know you knew. God brings to your mind a power to know certain things. Again, it's an edifying power by that same spirit, it says. And to another, faith. Well, people say, well, that's not a superpower. Oh, yes, it is. When you have the gift of faith, and somebody is struggling, and you can walk up to them and feeling full of faith in the Holy Ghost, you can lay a hand on them and say, brother or sister, I know this is gonna work out. God has spoken to me, and this is what's gonna happen. And they can feel that faith transfer from you to them. That's lifting up. That's why the Bible says we should call the elders. We should lay hands on one another. We can extend faith from one person to the next because if I'm strong in the faith today and you're weak in the faith today, it's my job to bring up your faith to help you come up along with me. I'm strong in the faith right now. I'm healthy. I'm not very good in weight, but everything else is looking good. I just had my checkup. All my numbers are perfect, by the way. Not kidding about that. (laughs) Amen. (laughs) I don't know why I told you that, but I feel good about it. My doctor says you're you're a really healthy fat guy. (laughs) Dr. Wooliver, he's a a goofball. (laughs) But what I'm saying is I'm feeling good and I'm feeling strong and God is moving. And so if my faith is strong and I see a brother or sister weak in the faith, their superpower is not there. Well, I've got a superpower built up in me. It says, hey, brother or sister, let me give you some faith. We give to one another that way with these gifts. It goes on to say then by the same spirit to another, the gifts of healing. 
I know someone in this room, well, no, they're not here today. Somebody, God has used them in the gifts of healing to pray over somebody. I think we had macular degeneration was healed. I think we have seen cancer healed in this body. I think we've seen some other miracles because people were active and willing and God used them in the gifts of healing. Yes, it's real. If God can design my body that if I picked up a knife and cut my finger like this and in a few days with a bandage on it, it all comes back together, well, then guess what? There's a miraculous power that can take it even further and take cancer out of my body, save my son who was virtually dead at birth, and heal my daughter of cancer. That can happen, it does, and by the gifts of healing, God will use it. Amen. By the same spirit, verse 10, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, that's knowing things, that's, that's being able to convey God's already planned, God's plans, that's being able to, not necessarily telling the future. People want to say it's a fortune-telling thing. It's not a fortune-telling thing, but sometimes it is an insight into what is to come. It's active in the church today. To another, the discerning of spirits. Many of you have the gift of discerning of spirits and should and should seek it. What does that mean? You're dealing with somebody in business in the secular world and, and things are going a little weird and all of a sudden he's speaking to you or she is speaking to you and something checks in your spirit and says they're lying to you. They're deceiving you. There's something wrong about this process or something along those lines. I've had it happen. I've had the Holy Ghost check me in my spirit and say they're lying. Don't do this. And come to find out later it was correct. That's a discerning spirit. That's to know. And it's not just about bad things. You can discern good things. But it's a gift that God gives us. It's a superpower. Why would he give us a superpower of discerning spirits? To help keep us safe. To keep us out of trouble. To keep us on the right track. To to discern things that are good and they're bad. And keep us heading in the right direction. To another, diverse kinds of tongues. There it is. Oh my goodness. That's the only time. No, it's not. But this is a gift and you heard it in the house this morning. One person willing to give to God and allow themselves to be used so that God can speak and edify our congregation gave a message in divers. Divers means diverse. That means languages that you don't know. And then finally to another, the interpretation of tongues. And we heard from God through another person who gave of themselves and was willing to speak out what they felt God was giving them. That's for the edifying of the church. That's for you and that's for the guests walking in and that's for people to know that the superpowers are active in the church. But those aren't the best superpower. The devil is able to copy every single one of these as I mentioned. The devil can copy he, he perverts, he, the, the devil is antichrist, right? And so everything that represents Jesus, the devil attempts to copy in a weaker, perverted way. Every, everything, you can go through the scripture and see where Jesus represented something, the devil tries to represent it the other way. And so in every possibility, if we have a word of faith, people can have a word of negativity. If we have a, a, a spirit of love, people have, can have a spirit of hatred, and they can wreck your joy with anger and, and frustration. Uh, the enemy has an opposite attempt to wreck that. Remember when Moses was before Pharaoh and, and the Pharaoh's magicians were there and everything that Moses did, he cast the rod down and so, and they did the same thing and produced snakes and all that stuff. And then Moses' snake ate up theirs and proved that the one real God of Israel is the one with the real superpowers. The best superpower 
The devil can't copy it. The devil can't do anything about it. The devil is powerless against it. It can't be duplicated. He can't pervert it. He can't infect it. It's completely unassailable. It is all-powerful. And it is the best superpower. And we need it right now. And the day and the hour that we live in and the direction that we are going, this superpower is so incredibly critical. And it's not listed in the nine gifts and it's not listed in the fruit of the Spirit. That superpower is submission. Submission. Ephesians chapter 5 and 21 talks about, Paul is talking to the Ephesians about submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. The word in the fear of God describes a respect. It's a motive for submitting to one another. Submit yourselves one to another in the fear of God. What does that mean? It means that we don't lord over one another. We don't subjugate somebody below us or above us. We submit one to another. Why? Why is that a superpower? Why is that so critically important in the day and hour that we live in? Because the enemy wants to use you to divide and hurt and mess up things and get in the way and wants to use your flesh against you and against other people. And we're all susceptible to it because we all live in the flesh. But submission, the very essence of humility is absolutely unassailable. The devil has no version of it, no copy of it. He can't duplicate humility. It is not in his nature. He is counter to that process. Submission is a superpower. And it's one that we must rise above all the else. Yes, you have to have the character. The fruit of the spirit must be operating in your life. You need to look at, I think it's important to look at the gifts of the spirit, pray about those things. God, use me in your ministry. But submission is a requirement. It's a need. You cannot make it through. You cannot get past what the enemy's got lined up for you if you are not prepared to be submissive. See, because you can talk, you can knock everything else down. And if you feel like you could face off with the devil yourself, you're wrong on your own. It's a very famous story of, maybe you are familiar with Thomas More. St. Thomas More was a high chancellor of England, the Church of England. This is in the 16th, 15th, 16th century. Henry VIII was the king and he was married to Catherine the Great who was actually his brother's wife. And uh, she was barren. She couldn't provide him a son, but he married her because his brother had passed away and picked all that up and it gets into a long history story. But the Church of England typically was opposed to the concept of divorce But Henry VIII was a wild man. He was kind of crazy, and you know the story of Henry VIII. But Henry VIII wanted to marry his mistress, Anne Boleyn. She was not barren. But Anne Boleyn had to wait, had a problem. He was married to Catherine the Great. 
And so Henry VIII began to petition the people of the papacy and the cardinals and all of these people to sign a decree that said it was okay that he divorced Catherine because she was actually his brother's wife and that was really a sin that he married her and it was a big mistake because he wanted to marry Anne Boleyn because he wanted heirs to the throne. And so at the time, the cardinals and the papacy and all those, all those cats got together and said, yeah, you know, we can kind of slip this under the rug. It's okay. The dukes all lined up and all of the authorities lined up. And they said, yeah, this is all right, except one man, one man who held his integrity and said, no, this is wrong in the eyes of God. St. Thomas More, the high chancellor of England, stood his ground, held his integrity and said, no, I cannot sign this. He went into silence, as a matter of fact. He refused to comment on it. He was a lawyer by trade and so he knew anything he said incriminate him. He was genius and they tried every trick in the book. They tried everything they could possibly do to get him to submit to King Henry VIII. Henry VIII actually came to his own home and threatened him in order to get him to sign the decree and agree that the marriage was correct. And it drove Henry VIII crazy because Thomas More stood his ground and refused to submit to what he knew was displeasing to God. And his answer simply was this, do I answer to the King Henry VIII or do I answer to the King of Kings and Lord of Lords? Because after I die, I wanna know I've got a conscience that's clean and that I've done the right thing before the eyes of the Lord. And he refused. They put him in the Tower of London, and then they found accusers for him. It was just like, it was just like Jesus before the Pharisees. Put him back in the Tower of London. His family begged him to submit to what he knew was wrong. And in his integrity, he held his superpower as he submitted to God and said no. And they took his life for it. They took his head. They finally executed him. But he knew that eternity was much longer than this life. The motive for submission is not social kindness. The motive for submission is not the law of God. The motive for submission is the respect of Jesus Christ. When we submit one to another, and there's a whole lot of stuff that goes into that. I'm gonna get into it here in just a second. We are respecting, when it says in the fear of God, it means we are respecting Jesus Christ in submitting one to another. Let's look at the benefits. The power that came with that submission put the devil on the run. You can actually cause him to flee. James chapter four and seven. We quote this scripture all the time, but we remiss a piece. We quote the portion of the scripture. It says, resist the devil and he'll flee from you. Isn't that powerful? We say it all the time. Resist the devil and he'll flee from you. But we forget one really important part there at the beginning of verse seven. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Then resist the devil, and he will flee from you. If you're submitted to God, you have a power over the enemy to cause him to run. But super, your superpower to do that rests in submission. You have the power to silence ignorant criticism of foolish people. We get that all the time. I get it here as a pastor. We get phone calls that are weird once in a while. I've gotten emails and things like that. People you meet outside aren't very pleasant. Kind of ruins our day sometimes. Mm-mm. First Peter 2 and 13 says it this way. It says, submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether it be to the king as supreme or unto governors as unto them that are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of them that do well. 
For so is the will of God that with well-doing you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. It's talking about honoring the laws of man, honoring the leaders that we put in place. We may not like the president at any given point of time, but we honor that man. We submit to the laws that he's put unless they defy the laws of God, which is what Thomas More did, okay? By submission, you have leadership that's watching out over you. In Hebrews 13 and 17, it says, obey your leaders and submit to them. For they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to go to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning. For that would be of no advantage to you. In other words, there are leaders in your life. Leaders in your ministry, leaders in your church, leaders in your, in your work perhaps. Submission to those people provides a covering for you. And gives you someone watching over them. It says, let them do it with joy. In other words, don't, don't grieve your leaders. Let them do that covering and cover you with joy and happiness. Because if you don't, it's really not a very good for you. It's not an advantage to you. Colossians 3 and 18 is very familiar to us. It's a, it's a, a scripture of submission, submission, excuse me, referring to husbands and wives. But look, look at all of these different things that we're encouraged to. And, and you don't have to go there if you don't want to. I'll go through it quickly. But in Colossians 3 and 18 through 24, it talks about wives submitting to your own husbands. Oh my goodness, is that language just offensive to the world right now? And I talk about this when I marry young couples. It says, submit yourselves to your husbands. Oh, that is so counter to this culture that we live in today. Well, guess who's causing it to be counter culture. Guess who's causing it to be a problem? See, the devil has got into people's heads and perverted it to make it sound like women should be under the feet of men. That is wrong. The promise is, is mind you, it doesn't say women love your husbands. You just have to submit to them. Submit, give to yourself. Because when you do that, that one step, that one critical superpower, you take power over your husband to where he has to love you like himself, love you like Christ like the church, love you like his own body, love you, love you, love you, ladies, is the exchange for that submission that God calls for you with your husbands. Husbands, if you pervert the word submission and you oppress and you hurt your wife, you are not loving them like the church. You're not loving them like your own selves or your own body. You're in complete uh, opposition to God's law. Goes on to say again, husbands, love your wives and be not bitter to them. Love in that case is a counter submission. It's a, I'm gonna submit to you as well, okay? Children, obey your parents. Obeying is just simply a submission in all things, for this is well-pleasing unto the Lord. Fathers, provoking not your children to anger, lest they be discouraged. And then servants, obey in all things your masters according to the flesh. That means those of you that work a job and have a boss, you need to be submitting to your authority in your job. You honor God by doing that. You create a superpower that covers you and protects you from the enemy. If you're not honorable to your boss, if you just can't bring yourself to submit to the authority, you need to look for a different job. So what it comes down to. Then it goes on to say in verse 24, knowing that of the Lord ye shall receive the reward of the inheritance, for ye serve the Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, all of that submission is tied to you receiving your reward. Submission is a key. It's a superpower that's gonna help you get to heaven. And you must know that Jesus is expecting the highest level of submission from you. 
Isaiah 57 and 50, uh, 15 says, For thus saith the high and lofty one that inhabiteth eternity, whose name is holy, I dwell in the high and holy place. Now look what it says. With him also that is of a contrite and humble spirit, to revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite ones. That's a powerful statement if you understand what God is saying in that passage through Isaiah that I dwell in the high and holy place with other people, with my people who are willing to be contrite and humble in their spirits. In other words, submitted. God will give grace and lift you up in James chapter four and six and also in verse 10. It says, but he giveth more grace, wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. Verse 10, humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up. There's many, many more pieces of precedent in the word of God related to submission. The opposite of submission, what the supervillains are doing is defiance. It's opposition. It's pride. It's my way or the highway. It's I'm gonna do it the way I wanna do it. That's what the supervillains are doing. That's their superpower. That's that perverted copy of what God expects of his people. And I'm telling you today, you can stand with me this morning, I'm closing. I'm telling you this morning that if you can develop a spirit of submission where the flesh is automatic in its responses to certain things. I've said for many years, when I encounter situations, I'm presented with a challenge. Something comes at me that's very challenging or difficult. Somebody yells at me or, or something happens on the road or, or, or some, something is placed in my face that's, that's off-putting or challenging or catches me off guard. My litmus test for response is the flesh. And what I mean by that is the flesh always runs out ahead and wants to respond first. The flesh is weak, it's impetuous, and it's prideful. And so when I'm presented with something, thrown in my face, a challenge, as best I possibly can, I put myself in check and say, what did I just feel? Was it the spirit or was it the flesh? Because the enemy, as smart and wicked and nasty as he is, is stupid and always does the wrong thing. And the flesh always runs out in the front of the line. I want to react. If we can learn to submit and be powerful at it, there's nothing stopping us. The flesh can't take us over. It can't cause conflict amongst us. It can't divide us. It can't hurt us any further. It's the best superpower God has to offer and the devil can't do a stinking thing about it. I'm asking you today, church, there are challenging times coming ahead. There may be challenging things that you're asked of here in the church. You've had to sit in a gymnasium on terribly uncomfortable folding chairs for a month. Things are gonna get a little more uncomfortable out there. I'm asking you, church, today, please, please write it down in your Bibles. Put it on a piece of paper in your notes. Write it in your heart. Write it on your mind. I must be awesome at submission. If you can stop the first reaction and let submission move to the front of the line every time, 
you will become so powerful in your prayer. All those other fruits of the Spirit, those gifts of the Spirit, they'll come. But I'm going to tell you, if you've been a person that's want to be able to pray for somebody and see them healed, and you're frustrated, you've come up when people, we've had healing services, and you've come up here, and your friend is hurting, and you're going, God, please heal him. I want to see him healed, and nothing's ever happening. It might just be your unwillingness to submit to everything else. But if you want to be powerful in the gifts of healing, my challenge to you is learn to submit. Submit to God. Submit to one another. Submit to your your husbands. Submit to your wives. Submit to those that are over you and rule. And if you get great at this, the gifts of the Spirit will start to activate in the church again. You'll start popping up. People start popping up with words of faith, words of wisdom, uh, interpretation in tongues, and, and healing gifts, and all those other gifts that I mentioned. The fruit of the Spirit will begin to reign in your body and reign in your character. People will walk up to you on the streets and say, something's different about you. Please tell me your story. How many in here, you don't have to raise your hands, how many of you in here has been so frustrated because you just can't seem to reach somebody? You've witnessed and you've talked to people. You know that you want to win somebody to God, but it's just not working. I'm telling you today, the secret is submission. Submit to God. Submit to one another. Submit to your pastor. Submit to what you're being guided to do. You're not giving up anything. You're not losing your dignity. You're not losing out on a little extra fun time. You're gaining a superpower that's going to take you from here right into glory. Bless you, Lord. Bless you, Lord. Bless you, Lord. There's a rapture of the church that's coming. Jesus' return is very near. I've said it a hundred times, and I'm certainly not the first, and I won't be the last. Will he find us fighting among ourselves over opinion and attitude, disagreeing continually? I hate the phrase, let's agree to disagree. That just leaves animosity existing between two people. Submit to one another. Give up something once in a while. Sacrifice your opinion for someone else's and see the glory and the joy that comes out of it. Will he find us more interested in our own ambitions and personal wants? Are we going to have our list of, of goals and desires over him? Or will he find us submitted to him and one another for the common goal of fulfilling his will? 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 4 through 6 says this, And when the chief shepherd shall appear, and God, I'm waiting for that. I'm waiting for the chief shepherd to show up. I'm waiting for that trumpet to sound. When the chief shepherd shall appear, you shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. You know why it talks about a crown of glory not fading away? Because people who are not submitted, people in the world that are struggling don't understand this concept, running around trying to gain their own glory. They want glory for themselves. They want to be recognized. They want to be elevated. They want their opinion to matter. They want to be the one that was the idea person. They want to be recognized and give credit for it. They want to be on the scroll on the movie you watched that said, I created that idea. They want credit for it. If that wasn't true, Bill and Melinda Gates would give Billy of dollars and not tell a soul but we have the Bill and Melinda Gates foundation and we have the Bill and Melinda Gates school for this and Bill and Melinda Gates for that because they want the credit but I'm telling you today if you submit you'll have a crown of glory you'll have credit that will never fade away the credit that matters the most likewise ye younger submit yourselves unto the elder Yea, all of you be subject one to another and be clothed with humility. For God resisteth the proud and giveth grace to the humble. The same quote from James. Verse 6, humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God. Why? That he may exalt you in due time.
as a promise. Waken, waken that superpower within you and learn to submit and God will give you credit. He'll give you joy, peace, long-suffering, understanding, temperance, gifts of the Spirit, everything you've ever desired to be what church ought to be is found under the umbrella of submission. And that's a fact. This altar is open this morning. Come and enjoy the presence of God. You know what? Submit to Him. And let Him talk to you. Let Him raise you up this morning because you can be awesome. You can have that superpower and every other one that comes along with it. But you got to have the best one first. Submission first. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. I love you, church. Thank you for awesome church today. Thank you for your worship and submitting to God and His Spirit. Thank you for giving of yourselves and loving the Lord and hearing His word. God bless your day in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to this Abundant Life Church podcast. We pray it has strengthened your relationship with God and will continue to be a light unto your pathway to heaven. If you have any questions or comments regarding this podcast, please telephone our ministerial team at 262-965-5177 or email us at info at abundantlifechurch.org.